So what's going on, everyone? This is our first exclusive Empire Files podcast. Uh, for those who have been watching the show for a while, we usually release a podcast version of the videos that we produce. But today we're doing something differently, given the circumstances that unfolded on January 6th in Washington, D.C. Uh Mike and I have recently moved. We are living out of boxes right now, and we have not set up our new studio, which accounts for the reverb that you're probably hearing in the room right now. So, you know, that's why we wanted to do a podcast version. We're not able to produce content like we usually would about any given subject. So we felt like this was an emergency, and we haven't been all too happy with the coverage that has come out about it. So we wanted to give our take you know, everyone that's been watching everything about this event unfold, you've probably seen everything possible, right? You, you saw it happening probably live on national television. You're probably wondering why, why would you listen to our podcast? What are we contributing? Well, I think that you'll be happy that we are, we have a lot to say and we have a unique analysis, we think. And yeah, and this is also just available for patrons. This is part of an ongoing effort to make patron-exclusive content. We are not making enough money uh, as of yet to produce the kind of quality content that we want as rapidly as we want. We have a lot of plans for 2021 in terms of Empire Files, what we want to do, and the staff that we want to build. And that's going to take Patreon donations because that's what we base our show on, is donations from people like you, small donations. So... We really appreciate your support. As little as $1, $2, $5 a month, whatever you can give. We know that these are really tough times. And unfortunately, we're at a place right now where we have to contribute directly to independent media and alternative media that we want to see flourish because uh, late stage capitalism, bro. Hey, Abby. It's me, Mike. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike Preisner is here with me. We didn't really make formal introductions, but... For those who don't know, this is Abby Martin, joined by Mike Preisner, the producer, co-writer, all that good stuff of Empire Files. And also the host of Eyes Left, an amazing veterans podcast that people should check out if they haven't already. Anyway, if you're a new patron, if you just signed up to listen to this episode, welcome. You'll also receive other types of exclusive content, like when we actually get our studio set up, we'll do live streams that are accessible only to patrons. And as Abby said, in 2021, we have a real commitment to producing a lot more uh, patron-only content. But we're excited to start um, you know, the, a debut episode of a patron-only podcast with Abby and I. And you know, as Abby said, there is... Uh, a lot of things to discuss. So I think we're just going to jump right into it because there's actually quite a lot of content we want to go over. And we hope it's stuff that you really haven't seen yet or haven't had laid out for you yet. Um, and there, of course, there's a lot of different takes and analysis and all that stuff going around. And uh, we wanted to uh, give our contribution. Absolutely. So Mike, pretty shocking scene uh, I think for everyone, even those who have been warning about the threat of Trump and his rabid base of supporters for the last four years, we certainly have been focusing on that, uh, mostly kind of filling the vacuum in the left on Trump's warmongering foreign policy, war crimes that he was committing abroad. But we certainly took the QAnon threat, uh, the Proud Boys threat, seriously. We were, we've were we been talking about that for a long time on the live streams that we have been doing. And this all kind of came to a head, right? On January 6th, 
Around 1 p.m., the siege on the Capitol building by thousands of Trump supporters who legitimately thought the election was stolen, right? They thought that this was a patriotic act directed by the president of the United States, by the most powerful person in the world, to his base to, quote, stop the steal. This was a rally literally called a Stop the Steal rally that was being built up for weeks, promoted by Trump, saying it was going to be wild, be there, be square. I'm paraphrasing now. Uh, uh, on he said Jan- wild. Though. You know, he did say wild. Yeah, on January 6th, he said, come out. You know, so so people did come out. Tens of thousands of Trump supporters flew from all over the country, stayed in hotels. Um, and for months, Mike, people were laying out their plans on message boards, Reddit, Parler, Facebook, 8chan, 8kun, talking openly about this insurrection, about this planned insurrection, pretty spelling it out pretty much. Yeah. And of course, it's significant that it was January 6th. That wasn't just a random day that they picked for the march. January 6th was the day that uh, Congress was voting to certify the election, the Electoral College votes up for Joe Biden. And so the slogan, stop the steal, uh, no, that was not a grassroots slogan. That was a slogan developed by Donald Trump and his team. And so the march on the day that the so-called steal was happening, that Congress was going to vote to certify a fraudulent election, the march was there to stop that from happening uh, physically. You know, one of the things that we saw in the aftermath is, uh, you know, that as as you mentioned, Abby, everyone was there because they believed the election was fraudulent mm-hmm. and that they were there to do their patriotic duty. In fact, all of the people there refer to themselves as patriots. We need patriots to come to D.C., patriots to the front when they're in the battle, um, that they're doing their patriotic duty to save our democracy from a fraudulent election. And there's a lot of videos out there um, really making fun of the people that were at these demonstrations because reporters will go around and say, what evidence do you have of election fraud? And no one has an answer. No one can explain mm-hmm why they think there's election fraud. They can't cite anything. Um, The reason that they all had, it wasn't just that they were stupid and thinking that, oh, they can't actually think of anything when put on the spot. Their evidence was that Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and Trump's legal team were promising that there was evidence. You just haven't seen it yet because the media has been hiding it. The weak Republicans, yes, the weak Republicans have been hiding it. The Democrats have been hiding it. And so if those people, when asked, what is your evidence that the election's fraudulent, if they were to really answer honestly what they would have said, my evidence is that Trump, the president, says that there is evidence, assures me that there's evidence, promises me that he knows that there is evidence, but I just haven't been able to see it yet. Right. And of course, Trump's cronies and sycophants in terms of Congress and the Senate were also promising their constituents and base in a larger sense that there was evidence as well, right? That they believed this narrative, that the the election was fraudulent, that Biden was somehow this autocrat who was going to illegally seize power and take it from the rightful president, Donald J. Trump. So, you know, we were we were paying close attention to the election fraud narrative. And of course, there was no evidence of that. All the uh, kind of anomalies that happened on election day and subsequent days with the massive amount of mail-in ballots because of the COVID pandemic, obviously, were explained right away. They were immediately corrected. But people, of course, jumped on those anomalies, started pasting them all over the internet and pointing to those screenshots of whatever 
votes coming out of nowhere, this many votes for Biden, zero for Trump, all that stuff that could be explained away later on as proof. So they were kind of going off on their own tangents, trying to explain while, of course, waiting for Trump to deliver. And we witnessed this firsthand, Mike. I mean, people commenting on our videos, people, I I got an argument with someone on Instagram who I was going to buy art from, who just randomly was like, (laughs) who randomly was just like, no, Trump is going to be president, Abby. Definitely a certainty that we've seen among the Trump base that Biden will not become president. There's a clear certainty that that is absolutely not going to happen. There is evidence of election fraud and uh, the steal is going to be stopped. Right. On January 6th. Right, exactly. And, you know, Trump is not only a chaos agent, he's a cult leader. Let's be frank about that. And that's really what this was. Tens of thousands of brainwashed masses who believe what Donald Trump says, like solely he is the deliverer of this cult narrative. Um, to the extent, Mike, that several people actually left goodbye letters to their families thinking mm-hmm. that they were going yeah. to go die for this cause to have a revolution and and install Donald J Trump as the rightful leader of this country. Yeah, and it was being presented, you know, as I said that steal was happening January 6th because Congress was certifying the election. And there actually was a real belief that they could stop that from happening, that they could stop the steal. Um one by just looting the votes, stealing and burning the electoral mm-hmm. votes. Um but they but that was like the last resort. I mean, they thought that there was actually still a legal case to give the election to Donald Trump. And the whole presentation of Trump leading up to it and at that day was the election was not on November 3rd or whatever day it right. was. The election is really on January 6th. That's the real election. That's when Congress is voting and our democracy works by Congress voting for what uh, you know the president wants, not what the people voted for on, on actual election day. And so they believed that these GOP Congress members could actually cast a vote differently than what their constituents voted for. And they also believed this idea that Mike Pence had the power to overturn the election in Trump's favor. And so that's why there was a lot of focus on Pence. Abby, maybe you know a little more about that. Well, yeah, this this goes back to the Q directive. Um, people who have been listening to Media Roots Radio with my brother, Robbie Martin, he has been on the Q tip, <laughs> no pun intended, for years now. This is kind of the natural evolution of the Pizzagate conspiracy that proliferated during the Podesta leaks um, in the 2016 election. And it took a turn, a dark turn, frankly, um, into the Q cult, where you started to see dozens and dozens of Trump supporters at every rally that he would do with Q paraphernalia on, um, waving Q flags, uh, something that we took notice to and understood the threat of as well as my brother, of course, check out his episodes on that. Um, But that is where this kind of came from, is Q on the message board, pretending that he was within Trump's administration, leaving out, you know, basically reading the tea leaves through all of this nonsense and these nonsensical threads and convincing people that Pence somehow had the constitutional authority to decide the election himself. This is completely erroneous. There is nothing in the constitution that says that the vice president can do this. It's obviously, it obviously comes down to the electors, which is what was happening on January 6th. But all of this focus on Mike Pence was when you saw the people storming the Capitol, you saw them chanting, let's hang Pence. Um, where is Pence? You know, Pence is a traitor. And multiple journalists reported hearing 
it frequently mentioned throughout the crowd that people were looking for Pence to execute him, which is something that we'll, we'll get to later about the real implications of this action. Right, exactly. Um, and, and why don't you talk about Trump actually egging this on in his speech, the, the Pence point? Sure. Well, um, you know, in a little bit, we can go through actually the, the evidence that Trump uh, incited an insurrection because he makes a lot of, you know, pretty stark legal errors in his speech uh, of incitement. But um, in relation to Pence and the focus on Pence by the right wing and the Stop the Steal movement, um, which, you know, in a lot of ways was an astroturf movement, like Trump's PAC, his Save America mm-hmm. PAC, is what funded the Stop the Steal march. The advertising, the march logistics, uh, all of that was you know funded by Trump and his PAC. The $300 million that he fleeced from right. supporters thinking that they were going <laughs> to overturn the election. Right. But they put all this focus on, um, on Mike Pence as the one that has the power to overturn the election, um, saying that if Pence doesn't do the right thing, you know, there's going to be consequences. And Trump actually, uh, in his speech, made reference to talking to Pence and basically threatening him with the violence of the mob if he does not, quote, do the right thing, which is uh, overturn the election. Um, He basically said that, you know, he hopes he has the, he hopes he's brave enough to stand up and do the right thing. But in reality, doing nothing is really the brave thing. Meaning that if you do nothing, that shows real bravery because that shows you are willing to face the wrath of the mob that I'm going to set upon you if you don't overturn the election. Right. I mean, he he singles out Pence in the speech. It's quite obvious what's going on there because it's another direct line of evidence that Trump is playing into the Q base. We've seen this time and again. You can look at someone like Mike Flynn, who's directly in Trump's ear, literally swearing an oath to QAnon at like a family campfire on 4th of July. So this, this has gone back a long time, but this is once again Trump speaking to Q supporters, you know, telling them go after Pence, basically, and telling them that Pence better have the courage to do what's necessary. Right. And, you know, we wanted to we wanted to talk about the Q role a lot because that's one thing that's really missing in a lot of the coverage is the real role that the QAnon movement played. In fact, you know, two of the five people that died at the protest, two of them were Q people. And that's all we you know, that's what we know so far. Two of them are confirmed Q people. One was the woman that was shot, which we can talk about a bit later and shot and killed by the police. She was a Q person. And the cop that was killed yeah. by the mob, the cop Snicknick. His name was Snicknick. Officer Snicknick. Sicknick. Sicknick. Uh, even so that makes more sense. Right. Um, <laughs> kind does of. it? <laughs> uh, he was a Q person also, and so the person killed by the mob and the, the cop killed by the mob and the a mob member killed by the cop were both Q people. But even though Q play, had a very big presence, obviously was a big part of proliferating the conspiracy theory that got a lot of people there. Um, the presence at the action was really a rainbow if that's not too ironic of a term, of far-right, right-wing, and white supremacist forces that normally don't talk to each other, don't organize together, wouldn't organize together. You know, you had Q people, you had Proud Boys, you had different stripes of actual open, like, Nazi party people, different stripes of white supremacist organizations. You had a lot of, like, religious conservatives there. There was, like, a bunch of nuns there and, like, MAGA frocks or or whatever they wear. Um, So you had a, a pretty you know, a pretty diverse rainbow of far-right, right-wing, 
um, and white supremacist forces that normally do not join together in a kind of united action. Trump is the unifier. The, all, all, the, all those groups have a lot of differences, right? Q and Proud Boys have a lot of political differences. Um, they, they probably don't even read a lot, a lot of the same message boards or whatever they're doing all day. Um, but Trump is the unifying figure. And that's a really key thing about how fascist movements are born. You are able to weave together multiple different types of right-wing organizing and sectors of the population around a single uh, cult-like powerful figure. And this is what this was. It was all these different disparate groups brought together around Trump becoming, you know, stealing the election for Trump or stopping it from being stolen from him. Right. And we've seen these groups collaborate before counter-protesting Black Lives Matter and other things like that, where all of a sudden Q would show up with shields standing next to Proud Boys. So this has been a unifying right. factor under Trump for a, a little bit, which again goes back to the threat of fascism. There's a very real threat. Um, back to Pence really quickly, though, because I didn't, I, I, I just saw this in my notes that let's not forget that they actually hung a, a gallows in front of the Capitol building chanting that they wanted to hang Pence. Can you imagine if like Black Lives Matter, I know that this has been like said to death, but like, can you imagine if Black Lives Matter hung up like a, an actual noose in front of the White House or something? Um, Probably a reason that Confederate flag people felt comfortable using a noose as a, at a right. political action. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of reverence for it. And um, Trump's legal lawyer, this is someone inside of Trump's inner legal team, Lynn Wood, posted on Parler that Pence should be executed because he was a traitor. And going back to the notion that these people really thought and they really, really, really believe in this fantastical notion that Trump is the is the real elected president, right? That this election was stolen from them. Yeah, I mean, I guess Pence is a traitor if he isn't going along with this, you know? Uh, should he be executed? That's a pretty extreme statement. But apparently, Linwood was posting this on Parler. His posts were taken down. This is someone directly in Trump's ear. So it is not hyperbole to say that AOC, Ilhan Omar, and others in Congress felt their lives were in danger. And they were just mocking people like AOC and Ilhan Omar and saying, Oh, you, oh, really? You were inconvenienced for a few hours, like, and you felt like your lives were in danger. It's like, yeah, they were in hiding for hours, and we can get into the stand down of the police why it took so long to get these people out of the Capitol. But they were hiding for hours, thinking that they could be beaten, killed, kidnapped from Trump supporters who were moments away from actually approaching them, for confronting these people. And let's be honest about the actual threat. It wasn't just some ragtag group of Trump supporters who just got tricked, right? These were people who had weapons. They found pipe bombs, Molotov cocktails. We all saw the guy dressed in black military gear with his with a giant um, swath of zip ties on him. A couple people with zip ties. Yeah. Right, like uh, ostensibly for kidnapping and taking hostages. As Counterpunch said, it was all out in the open. They were planning to be armed. They were planning to arrest members of Congress. They said Trump's tweet was a marching order and they were prepared to shoot counter protests, end quote. Yeah, you know, I'd really like, you know, people that thought it was uh, funny or thought they could make fun of AOC or 
uh, Ilhan Omar in particular, too, uh, I think was an incredible danger. She's like the number one most hated person by the right wing. Um, there's probably more memes about uh, uh, lynching Ilhan Omar than uh, definitely any other politician. And AOC is probably a close second. But, you know, everyone who thought it was just like, uh, you know, and, and AOC even on a media interviews said, you know, a lot of us were close to dying that day and it was really mocked and it was like, oh, you're just crying these fake tears to get attention, whatever. I'd like to add, like, what did what, you know, members of Congress were barricaded in their offices with like they had to take their office chairs and put them up against the doorknobs. The mob was actually incredibly close to breaking through into the area where they were all hiding out. In fact, that's where that woman uh, was shot, I believe. It was the last barrier down to the hallway where actually there were members of Congress that were just behind very flimsy doors with very flimsy chairs uh, holding them up. Um, what do people think actually would have happened if a mob of these super riled up, racist, Confederate flag carrying, Nazi shirt wearing, uh, hyper violent people. And, you know, in fact, a lot of them, there's this patch, a lot of them at war that said, I'm just here for the violence. Um, people who hate AOC, hate Ilhan Omar, uh, because they think they're these, you know, communists taking over America, hating them for the color of their skin, but also because they think they are literally stealing the election, undermining democracy and so forth. What do people think actually would have happened if that mob succeeded in what it was trying to do, which was to break down the door where they were hiding? What do people think would have actually happened there? But let's talk about the fact that this was undoubtedly an inside job. And when I say it was an inside job, I mean that there were clearly elements within the military and political establishment and police establishment that allowed or facilitated this to happen. Hey everyone, hate to cut in here when it's just getting good, but as I mentioned in the beginning, this is a patron-only episode, and what you just heard is a teaser of the first 20 minutes. There's well over an hour left to go where we talk about all the hot-button issues, proof that this insurrection was an inside job, explaining exactly what the goal of the January 6th action was, detailing the evidence that Trump and his cronies are guilty of seditious conspiracy and incitement to riot, talking about the controversial censorship of Trump and his followers by Twitter and big tech, and the very important question, was January 6th the climax, or just a prequel, of something much bigger in the coming days and weeks? We think we cover some really critical facts and analysis that you haven't seen anywhere else, so if you'd like to hear the full episode, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com slash empirefiles. Patrons at any level can listen and get access to all future patron-only podcasts, which we will be doing more regularly. But if you sign up at the $5 and up tier, you can also access our exclusive live streaming videos. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you become part of our Patreon family. Thanks, Empire Babies. 